We know you have lots of questions. If you think that you've developed symptoms. Should I avoid large public gatherings? Whether schools should be closed. Welcome to Common Sense. Here we address your questions about COVID-19 with interviews featuring experts in medicine and leaders in community, public, and global health. Here's your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. Welcome to the podcast, COVID-19, Common Sense Conversations on the Coronavirus Pandemic. I'm your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. My guest on the podcast today is Chef Jet Tilla. From battling the legendary Masaharu Morimoto on Iron Chef America, opening Encore Hotel in Las Vegas, and guiding Anthony Bourdain through many markets and restaurants, Chef Jet is an internationally celebrated for his culinary expertise. This best-selling author grew up in the first family of Thai food and then later attended both French and Japanese culinary schools. Jet is a born educator and storyteller. Jet was appointed as the inaugural culinary ambassador of Thai cuisine by the Royal Thai Consulate, the first ever chef to represent his country's culture and cuisine. Chef Jet's culinary operations include VP Culinary of Payway Group, 148 restaurants, and managing partner of Dragon Tiger Noodle Company in Las Vegas. He has partnerships with Compass Group, Schwann's, and NBC Universal DreamWorks. His food reaches millions of people per year. He appears as co-host of Iron Chef America and recurring judge on Food Network's Cutthroat Kitchen, Chopped, Beat Bobby Flay, and Guy's Grocery Games, as well as an array of shows ranging from the Today Show, Master Chef, Rachel Ray, and he also holds six culinary Guinness World Records. Jet, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Hey, Ted, you can cut all that down too if you want to and not uh, bore your uh, audience to death. But anyway, what's more important is uh, Ted, Dr. O'Connell, and uh, myself are childhood friends. I think that's the, the coolest fact of all is we were elementary school friends. David, thanks for having me. Uh, it's cool to be here. It's my pleasure. I, I didn't know if I should weave that into your intro or not, but we want to know. We want to let the audience know who you are because you've got such impressive credentials and and are really a big deal in, in the uh, chef media world. Do you mind, Jet, telling our audience a bit more about your background with your work as a chef and how you became involved with the Food Network? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you've covered the basis. I mean, coming from the you know first family of Thai food. The Food Network connection really happened when I was actually um, chefing in Las Vegas. I was opening Asian executive chef of Encore Hotel, one of the wind properties. And while I was there, they asked me to battle Iron Chef Morimoto. Um, and, you know, he was a chef that I idolized growing up, you know, scared to death. But I knew what a platform it was going to be. I was in the best cooking shape of my career at that point. And, um, you know, that opportunity basically kind of, uh, caught the attention of a lot of Food Network execs, and they asked me to do a lot more television after that. So I went from a full-time restaurant chef, hotel chef, um, college university chef, uh, and then I uh, switched over to media, which was perfect because, you know, uh, as as much as I grew up in the career, I really wanted to have a little more balance and be married and have kids and, you know, live live the full American dream and not, not give my life to to, to food. And one thing I'd like to actually give you a chance to let the audience know about, too, is your uh, books. We didn't actually talk about um, that in the introduction. And and I know that we have at least one on our shelf. And I've given 
one to my parents as a, as a Christmas gift. But do you want to tell people a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. I have two, I have two cookbooks um, that are national cookbooks. I have one called 101 Asian Dishes You Have to Cook Before You Die, the bestseller. And then I've got one called 101 Epic Dishes, uh, How to Make you know Your Favorite Dishes Even Better. So it's more non-Asian uh, they're available, you know, wherever books are sold, but, uh, I appreciate the plug, man. Um, but, but look, at, look at you, man. Like we both did pretty good from, from coming from the neighborhood, huh? We did good for neighborhood kids. We really, I think we did. Um, and I'm happy to give your books a plug cause I believe in them that we, we, um, you know, it's fun to know somebody who's gone on to some notoriety, but the, the recipes in there are just absolutely spot on and delicious and, your notoriety comes from your talent. Um, Jet, I wanted to talk a little bit about the restaurant industry in the face of this pandemic. Can you tell us a bit about what effects you're seeing in the industry as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic and how it's affecting everyone? Yeah, for sure. You know what? I, I, I do want to give your audience a little bit of context because most chefs kind of um, come from one segment of the food industry. They're either a restaurant chef or they're a hotel chef. Um, you know, they've never, they, they usually have one or two specialties. So in my 25 year career, I have cooked for one all the way to 10,000. Part of my career was in the tech sector. So, um, I'm giving, I'm trying to give your audience a very kind of broad understanding of how impactful, you know, this COVID-19 is. So I think we should start with maybe the street level because I think most of the audience, um, is, is, has to at least dine out once or twice a week, if not ordering takeout, right before all this happened, 50% of um, America's dollars, believe it or not, are dedicated to food and beverage. So, um, you know, about six weeks ago, from the, from the context of, you know, coming from the West Coast, although having connections on the East Coast, basically everything came to a grinding halt. And in the bi- restaurant business in general, you know, our profit margins, you know, if you're doing a good job is probably 10 to 18%. So 10 to 18 cents of every single dollar um, is potentially profit if you're a good operator. Um, so mo- most people don't, even, don't, don't get anywhere near that. Uh, it's not an industry where people have six months or one year of a year and a half of backup um, capital as well. So firstly, the restaurants started closing down uh, be- you know, because of orders just to shut down. Everyone goes into the automatic thinking is, you know, we have to rely on takeout um, because dining rooms had to close. That really shifted a lot of energy into these uh, these companies that basically are fulfillment and last mile companies, the Postmates of the world, the Uber Eats of the world. The problem is their percentages were, were really high. So a lot of companies actually have, have reduced their fees um, coming into this. But what 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 you're what what we're going to see is and again I don't want to bog this entire conversation down but I think what we're going to see is you know 25 to potentially 50% of restaurants are, are are may never come back again you know 90% of the restaurants in America are independently owned right that means the 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 big chains that we all know are really they only make up about 10% of the actual industry so you're talking about people like me and you who are individual business owners uh, are basically are, are going to get crushed. And there's I don't think a lot of them are going to recover. And the longer it goes on, the the likely the higher the percentages of, of ones that won't be able to recover, right? 
you're 100 percent correct. So, you know, the, the we've got these PPP stimulus package, right, that, that kind of gave us hope about three to four weeks ago. So once once, you know, the once they turned on the mechanisms to apply the first part, the first gridlock we had was getting the banks to kind of get organized with the government. And then that took about three or four days. I think a lot of all the restaurants that I know that could apply did. And then all of a sudden, 12 days later, they ran out of money. So that little, little glimmer of hope that these operators thought, if I can, I can hold on for, for eight weeks because the government's going to, you know, um, back me up, uh, you know, 90 something percent of the people I know, maybe more actually didn't get, didn't get their loans. So, so, so yes, the longer this goes on, the higher the likelihood of more and more restaurants never coming back. Wow. I really do appreciate you giving us all of that context. It's important. The the intent of this podcast is to provide credible evidence from experts in their fields about COVID-19 and the pandemic. And we cover the scientific and medical side, but we've also started to look at different industries and different types of careers and how those are being affected, because that's part of the human story behind this. And And I really think that it's important to be talking about that as well. So you you really taking a dive in and telling us what it's like in in the restaurant industry is exactly why I want to have you on the show so that we can just talk about how everybody's being affected and and what we can do to to work together through this so besides shifting to t- a takeout model how else are chefs and restaurants adapting to keep their businesses running during this time uh, so, you know, I, I'm, you know, I work directly with the National Restaurant Association here in, here in California where we are. Um, and, you know, they've just released kind of their, their playbook to kind of slowly reopening, right? They actually call it the COVID-19 reopening guidance um, document. So at, dining as we know it is going to completely change even as we phase back into, um, you know, quote unquote, full service, right? We still have to um, socially distance. So imagine a dining room that previously was certified, you know, let's say 60 or 80, or let's say 100 to be easy, right? 100 persons occupancy, right? Now you got to separate people by six feet. Um, So are you, are we going to, are restaurants going to be able to accommodate 25%? So are you going to be able to have 25 guests? So that's that's front of house. Um, and now are we going to switch over from China to paper goods, right? Is there going to be single-use disposable? Um, and in front and back of the house, you're going to see, you know, um, masks, right? We're going to see hand sanitizers. We're going to see just a completely new set of, of rules on how to operate a restaurant, but but the the number one thing that will will be, in my opinion, right, full service restaurants and high end dining establishments are going to be affected the most, right? It's that neighborhood small footprint, small square footage that let's say used to do thirty to fifty percent takeout. Now they're actually doing better. There's a very interesting group of restaurants that are busy. Another thing we're looking at. Is you know I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to figure out the jargon, but a restaurant that used to just sell cooked, ready to eat, prepared food is going to switch gears and start selling groceries, right? It's it's channel shifting. Um, so 
you know, where, where you're seeing a shortage of eggs and flour and very like and, and, and high use items unavailable in grocery stores and C stores, you know, the restaurant supply chain has not been really interrupted because restaurants have slowed down. You know, we have restaurants now that let, let's say order from a, a restaurant um, uh, food service supply chain versus a grocery supply chain. They're actually they have a surplus of all these goods. So so you're going to see channel shifting and you might be able to buy your eggs and your flour and, and and your toilet paper from your restaurant. So those are just some small ways that that I'm seeing, um, you know, existing changes and changes to come. Yeah, those are really interesting insights. And when you're talking about margins of 10, 15, 18 percent, I think you said and having to reduce the number of customers that you can serve from 100 down to somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to get that social distancing, like the math doesn't sketch out very well. So there, there are very definitely some rocky seas ahead, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're going to see the takeout restaurants do better, and you're going to see full-service restaurants really um, be severely impacted. And menus are going to shrink because labor is going to shrink. And we haven't even touched the whole labor situation yet. Like we went from historically low unemployment and we're, and we're going to basically go to historically high unemployment. So I don't, I can't even begin to digest, you know, how that impacts the restaurant business yet. It's, 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 you know, I can't even wrap my head around everything. And, and I'm kind of in the tip of the spear, I, 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 I am working with, you know, the people that are trying to write guidelines to get people back to work. Right. Right. And when, you know, we went, as you said, from historically low unemployment today, as we're speaking, it's at 25 million Americans have filed for unemployment and that just affects disposable income and, and all kinds of other things, you know, not disposable, it, it affects disposable income, but people's ability to dine out and, and splurge a bit. And, and all of that has just ripple effects across the economy and into your industry. Um, my next question was going to be about supply chains. And, you know, we're seeing things on the news like milk and eggs not being able to get from the farms or the factories to the stores and it sounds like you're not actually seeing those issues in your industry yet um, and actually maybe have a surplus. Um, are there plans being put into place to plan for potential disruptions or is it just not even a problem at this point? Yeah. So uh, I want to be really clear uh, until, you know, uh, up until now, you know, there has not been there. You basically I'm trying. How do I articulate? You know, we're not going to run out of it doesn't seem like we're going to be running out of food and high use goods. The issue has been, you know, people have been panic buying and basically wiping out the supplies faster than the, than the supply chains can replenish those supplies. So we're not going to run out of flour. We're not going to run out of paper. We're not going to run out of eggs. Right. The, but we, but as a consumer base, Right. We're going to need to find um, different channels on basically buying those those items. And I do feel like the restaurants are going to to kind of fit, fill that gap. So so we have not seen that. But you know what? This week, Ted, we are now seeing the coronavirus affect large um, food plant operations, right? the beef plants, the chicken plants. So that that is scary because. 
Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. You know, a lot of the industry in terms of paper goods and used goods are, are automated. But that you cannot, you can only automate, you know, a meatpacking line so much, right? That industry still depends on labor. And we're talking about labor that is, are crammed together on assembly lines. Now I'm starting to get a little nervous. And again, we're not going to have a supply problem in that the animals are still there to be processed. The choke point will absolutely be in the actual processing plants. So, you know, we might see minor intermediate disruptions or momentary disruptions in certain items like chicken, pork, and beef, but it will not be long-term and we will not run out of product. So it's more not a resource and supply issue, but really more of a processing and then supply chain and logistics issue and getting it to, to where it needs to be. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. So, Jet, um, what are other Food Network stars doing to stay busy during this time? And and are you seeing any of them getting involved to help out in their communities? Yeah, you bet. So uh, let's talk about some pop happy stuff for a second, right? You know, a lot of your Food Network personalities are basically taking to social media. Uh, and we we are, you know, if you follow myself or any any of your favorite chefs, you know, we're we're home like you are. We're home like everyone else is. And our and our gift, you know, our our talents are basically entertainment and cooking. So I've been posting, you know, two live streams a week, including two edited streams a week. So you're seeing a ton of content being put out for people who are stuck at home, you know, every single day. Uh, beyond that, Food Network now, uh, we are actually sending mobile studios out to certain um, of our talent. I'm one of them, by the way. So you're you're going to see a lot of this, just like Saturday Night Live and just like your local news, you're seeing a lot of, you know, professional productions, quote unquote, done from home. You're going to start seeing a lot of that. So May 2nd and 3rd, the Food Network Kitchen app is back up and we're actually going to be, um, New York will be the control room and you're going to have, you know, six to 10 chefs from all around the country, uh, you know, broadcasting live on a larger platform than just their social media platforms. Uh, beyond that, you know, guys like Guy Fieri, you know, are actually partnering with the National Restaurant Association and creating fundraisers um, that are are short term, you know, financial help for restaurant workers. So, so if you're a restaurant worker and you know you're like, I don't know, uh, you know, I need some short term help. Do check out the National Restaurant Association. Um, do check out Guy Fieri. Uh, and and beyond that, a lot of restaurants, local celebrities, your your local hometown restaurants are partnering with organizations to feed frontline 
workers. We're talking doctors. We're talking nurses. We're talking grocery people. So 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 look around. Like uh, you know, I'm gonna mention one specifically, but you know, there are a lot of different organizations like Dine One One, and you can you can check all these out. And at Off Their Plate, basically they're making deals with local restaurants for a certain dollar a head, five bucks or ten bucks a head to create you know, meals to deliver to ICUs, to, to emergency rooms, which keeps the restaurants employed and keeps uh, guys like you, Ted, and, you, and your team, you know, people fed that need to be. I mean, you guys are, are, are on the front lines and my hat's off to you, brother. Well, thank you. I was actually going to bring that up about how much great work there is being done and, and charitable work, to, you know, with the restaurants getting out to the medical centers and hospitals and supporting those healthcare workers. And it's just been such a, a bright light in the midst of, of what's otherwise been a challenge. Um, I wanted to make a comment on the, the idea of the filming going into your homes. And as, as I watch things like Jimmy Fallon and see him recording at home and involving his daughters, it, it actually creates a really nice, like maybe less scripted or more intimate look at, at these stars lives. So I'll look forward to seeing some of the Food Network stars cooking out of their home, own homes and and see what you're up to. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, it's a pretty amazing time because you can't force your dog to stop barking. You can't t- you have kids not have tantrums. So it's cool, man. And, and none of us are getting our, our professional makeup and hair done. So. So this is this is that's kind of the fun part of, uh, the, you know, to, to be able to watch all that stuff happening at this time. Absolutely. Um, so our family's actually been cooking together quite a bit as an activity to keep the children busy and to develop their cooking skills. If a parent is a cooking novice, what advice would you give them about how to get started with cooking with their children or even cooking on their own if if they want to start to take a dive into that? I think the number one thing is to focus on fundamentals. And if you cook from your belly, if you cook food that you really love to eat or your kids love to eat, you know, uh, you're going to be more engaged. Your kids are going to be more engaged. So I would start with very easy things. If you're a, a real novice and, and you are not, which I know, but, you know, um, I would start with, you know, building sandwiches and then going into roasting a chicken like Right. And then taking that roasted chicken and then making the second day would be chicken salad. The third day could be sandwiches and and uh, really find fundamental uh, dishes. Right. Everyone should be able to cook a steak. Everyone needs to learn how to cook rice and make some pasta dishes. And and these are all decently inexpensive dishes. You get a lot of mileage. I mean, cooking at home, you know, versus eating out. It, it, there, there's so many benefits beyond financial, right? It's the therapy, it's the bonding, it's the community. Um, so uh, I really do feel like the, another reason why people are turning to chefs right now yeah, is, is, is because, you know, cooking is such a therapeutic um, activity. Yes. And one of the things we've, a theme that has kind of gone through with a lot of guests is, you know, this is an unprecedented time in our history. And it's also an opportunity while we have many of us have some time on our hands is to learn a new skill or bond with, you know, family members in a way that you haven't had time to do get healthy, you know, use this, uh, you know, unusual amount of time as, as a way to, to, to add to your life a little bit. And, and I like your idea of talking about cooking as being therapeutic because the mental health issues come up during, you know, with, with the social isolation and, and not being able to be with, loved ones out, you know, out who don't necessarily live with you. Right. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, I think we're all picking up a, a fun a, a fun new skill. You know, I, I've hit all my honeydew list to do right. Uh, I've you know I'm basically going to start remodeling a small bathroom now just because I. You're right. It, it's all about mental health. You know, I mean the effects of of of, of the, the the anxiety that this is creating. You know, being cooped up, and so yes. Um, as a, as a, as a good father and husband, I'm trying to place my, you know, my anxiety where it belongs, which is, you know, this, this, this virus is this thing versus, you know, let it get to me where, so I take it out on, on my loved ones. Like we're all human beings here, you know, we're trying, we're trying to do our best. Right. Absolutely. So I was looking at your website at chefjet.com and there are a lot of really amazing recipes on the site. For those in our audience who have some experience cooking already and are not necessarily the novices that we talked about before, which of those recipes would you recommend that our audience start with, um, whether they're cooking with their children or on their own? Are there some real go-tos on there that you'd recommend? Yeah, you know, right now, I think one that the one that's easy for everyone to execute, you know, the number one thing that comes to my mind is lo mein. I think we make so much pasta for our children because it's one of the few things some some picky kids will eat. Um, that you can take that same pasta and make it into a real simple stir fry. So cook off your spaghetti or, you know, a lot of us have spaghetti um, or linguine, a long noodle. Uh, but, you know, unlike the Italians, you're going to rinse it this time and, and kind of cool it down. And then uh, put that into a pan with a little bit of oil and, and your favorite veggies and chicken or protein. And then finish it with um, with the noodles and then a, a touch of soy sauce or, or oyster sauce or hoisin sauce. And, you know, you've turned that pasta dinner into something a little different. And I think rice is also a good one. Making really simple fried rice uh, with whatever you've got in the kitchen, because uh, right now it is tough. I think one thing I do want to mention, a really good kind of um, hopefully a, a tip for a lot of the listeners is if you are running out of those staples, right, which a lot of people are, the number one complaint I'm getting also on social media is I can't get, the, for me, it's I'm hearing eggs flour, um, toilet paper. You know what? Uh, look to your local restaurants right now. And, and I know your audience is national, but um, there's, there's a lot of restaurants that are now switching gears uh, and, and posting these little shopping items online on the Postmates on the where you can actually find find items and and don't forget the specialty gourmet stores. For instance, you know like surface in Los Angeles, They've got they've got bread and they've got they've got flour and 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 they've got a regular supply of it. So I think if anything and and restaurants are also a place where you can get your toilet paper. They might be individually wrapped in paper and they might not be the super luxe stuff you're you're accustomed to. But but in a pinch, man, this is look to restaurants for the staples that you might be missing at the grocery store. I I love that advice too as a way to help some support the small businesses in our communities because that's one of the things that we've done with with this podcast is try to give some shout outs to these small businesses. So I really like that idea, Jet. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Surface. That's uh, a store that my wife and I like to hit up when we're in the LA area. Um, so great shout out there. Um, I saw that the Food Network is giving healthcare workers a free one year subscription to Food Network Kitchen app, uh, and we'll put a link in the we'll put a link in the show notes. But do you want to tell our audience a bit about the app and the videos in the app? I, I can tell you personally that my family's been using them and enjoying the interactive nature. So I, I actually want to get this information out there as a way for people to get comfortable with cooking and using it as a bonding experience and 
therapy and stress reduction. So t- tell them a little bit about it. You know, as a way to give back to all the healthcare workers that are you know are keeping us safe and taking care of us, Food Network wanted to give a free one year subscription. So Food Network Kitchen is nothing like Food Network. Food Network Kitchen is basically a app portal where you're not just going to get instant on-demand access to every single show Food Network has ever made. On top of that, there are um, Food Network Kitchen app exclusive shows like my show, which is called Ready, Jet, Cook. All of your favorite chefs make custom um, content just for Food Network Kitchen. Above that, the number one thing about it is there are five to seven one-on-one cooking classes a day with your favorite chefs from Jed Teeled to literally to Martha Stewart to Scott Conan to Alex Ronichelli. Every single Food Network star does a one-on-one cooking class five to seven days. And before, obviously, um, the coronavirus, um, those were all live, either streamed from LA or from New York. Uh, but we're kicking back into that because we're, we're figuring out the infrastructure to get all of the talent cameras and 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 production equipment. So Food Network Kitchen, again, if you're a healthcare worker, you're going to get an entire year for free. Take advantage of that, right? Um, use all the resources on there. It is a phenomenal app. And again, it's Food Network Kitchen. Right. And I will say I am not being paid to promote this this app at all. But e- even if you're not a healthcare worker, the, the price point is really reasonable. It's like three or four dollars a month is what it comes down to. And and the Food Network stars do a really good job with these cooking classes of doing it at a reasonable pace where you can cook right along with them and they tell stories and talk. And it, it just it actually creates just a warm, calm atmosphere in the kitchen. And of course, because it's you can always put it on pause. Um, it's been a nice thing just to have on in our kitchen. And I'm saying that completely unencumbered by any, um, any pressures to promote it. <laughs> um, Jet, I, I want to ask you one last question before we start to wrap up here. The, uh, I've been asking each of our guests if there are any small businesses or restaurants in their community uh, that they want to give a shout out to as a way to help um, support them. You know, there's a lot of uh, small business owners and workers who are really suffering financially during this time. And I think anything that we all can do to pitch in as a community is great. Uh, I know you're in the restaurant industry, so I, I don't want to ask you to play favorites. But is there any anything, anybody that you'd like to give a shout out to? You know, uh, yeah, (laughs) without without trying not to play favorites, you know what? The best thing you can do is wherever you're listening from, you know, um, if you can, if you have the funds to do it, try to support a local restaurant in whatever frequency is comfortable for you. Right. Within five to ten miles of your home, if you can if you can um, kind of vary those dollars up in frequency and find a different place every every other day or once a week you're going to help a local business and a local family um i will call out you know one specific organization you know you can follow them at at off their plate at off their plate it's basically a nonprofit um that takes donations and and feeds um frontline healthcare workers and you can vet them they're through the jose andres group um it was a group of you know, really some really smart people pulling together funds to to get meals to the frontline healthcare workers. So so check out Off Their Plate, um, check out Dine One One, and support a local restaurant uh, in whatever frequency you are you are able to do. Right, and even if you you know during this difficult time, if you don't have the means to 
to do takeout, as Chef Jet says, maybe even consider when you need eggs or flour, or some of those staples that are sometimes hard to find in the grocery stores, or if you don't want to be exposed to the crowds you might have in the grocery stores or at Costco, think about picking up some of those at the at your local restaurants and, and try to help support them that way. There it is, man. Yes, absolutely. Jet, I want to thank you very much for coming on this podcast and giving us your perspective about what's going on in the restaurant industry and chef world and, and in the as a media personality. It's been really interesting to talk with you. I think the audience is going to really enjoy this episode and get a lot out of it. And, and it really just helps broaden all of our horizons by hearing from you. So thank you very much and stay safe. You bet. Dr. Ted, it's good to actually catch up with you, man. My best to you and your family. And I hope everyone stays safe. And if anyone needs anything, uh, we're easy to find. Thank you. I will tell them you said hello. All right. Have a good evening. Okay, Jeff. See you later. Take care. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. If you have questions about COVID-19 that you'd like discussed on the podcast, send an email to info at arslanga.media. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Be vigilant, but remain calm. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.